Hi there, and a very warm welcome to Season 5, Episode 20 of People Soup. It's Ross McIntosh here. I see the flexible mind approach as a helpful and beneficial approach in its own right, which mm. I'm really excited to work with other organizations and practitioners around. And I also see it as a vehicle, a vehicle to really enhance awareness around the importance of balancing those opportunities to develop performance and sustain well-being. So a more sustainable approach to high performance living. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, in addition to the flexible mind approach itself, the book and the work that we're involved in also serves to really enhance understanding about ways of finding that balance. Hey Supers, today I continue my chat with Professor Ross White. Ross is the Research Director of the Doctorate in Clinical Psychology Programme at Queen's University Belfast. As well as being an expert in global mental health, he's also an author and was the lead on a book called Acceptance and Commitment Approaches for Athletes' Wellbeing and Performance, The Flexible Mind. And that will be our focus for today. So in this episode we dive into the book, starting with my review and then continuing with an exploration of the collaborative development of the key messages. We talk about his hopes for the book and what else he's got in the pipeline. We finish with Ross's takeaways, which are beautifully expressed and very useful. You'll find all the links you need in the show notes, and that includes the session guides to accompany the book and how to sign up for Ross's monthly Five to Thrive newsletter, which is an essential read. People Soup is an award-winning podcast where we share evidence-based behavioural science in a way that's practical, accessible and fun to help you glow to work a bit more often. Let's just scoot over to the news desk because reviews are in for part one of my chat with Ross. A keen listener got in touch to send me a message on Facebook. They said, I listened to your fab chat with Ross White on the plane coming home and just loved it. How does he do all that? He's amazing. I subscribed to his Five to Thrive newsletter and it's so interesting and helpful. He definitely has quite the sexy speaking voice too, but best not put that in the review. Uh, oops, sorry, Anon, who continued to say, can't wait for the second episode. Well, thank you so much to that listener and to everyone who listened, shared, rated, spoke about this episode with a friend. We rely on you talking about and sharing this podcast to help us reach more people with stuff that could be useful. People Soup is a true labour of love, so anything you can do to spread the word is much appreciated. You might help someone else get insights to help them glow to work. But for now, get a brew on and have a listen to part two of my chat with Ross White. I really want to dive into your work with athletes and your book, Acceptance and Commitment Approaches for Athletes' Wellbeing and Performance, The Flexible Mind. We've talked in part one about your motivation for this and that intersection between psychology and your interest in sports. But I thought what I might do is just start with a little review of the book, if I may. So let me read out what I, my notes here. The Flexible Mind Approach was created by world-leading experts in psychology and sports science. And it truly meets the sports person where they are. 
For me, it really makes the behavioral science accessible, practical, and useful. Adopting that incremental growth approach to support the athletes in developing new perspectives and habits. And it emphasizes the stance for those delivering the flexible mind approach to be one of living the approach, one of flexibility, responsivity, and authenticity, where the trainer or the coach is led by the client and their context. So I think it's a superbly crafted piece of work. So thank you to you and your co-authors. I love the pod approach and the emphasis on workability. And for the listeners, the pod approach is being, the P is being present, the O is being open, and the D is doing what matters. So hats off to you all. I'm so glad this book is out there. And for the listeners, as well as the book, there are, hang on a sec. Session guides. That's the word I was looking for. As well as the book, thank you, Ross, there are free session guides to support people in introducing the flexible mind approach to athletes. So that's really generous of you as the authors and the publishers to to do that and make it accessible, because I think that does give a really nice introduction and framework to the stages of the approach and how we can best support athletes using behavioral science. So I'm just super glad it's out there. And I really wanted to dive into it with you. Well, thank you for the warm words. It's always interesting to see how this lands for for people. And um, yeah, it, it's been great to get it out there. And um, the book is published by Palgrave and it's part of what's called the Springer Link collection. So if you're part of an academic institution or an organization that holds that institutional license for Springer Link, you can download the PDF of the book for free. But because it's an educational publisher, it does mean that whenever you're then trying to buy the book as a member of the public, it's a little expensive. And to help address that issue, we set up the Flexible Mind webpage, www.flexiblemind.co.uk, where people can go and access those seven session guides that, as you say, are free to download. There's audio files of some of the exercises and strategies that feature in the book that people can use and have access to. So we were very keen to make sure that people could access it and could use it. It's there to be used and we wanted to ensure that there weren't barriers or blocks. And that's part of the the ACT way right? You know, the Association of Contextual Behavioral Science is a great community of practitioners, and I've benefited enormously from people's willingness to share their work. So it's just passing that forward. And how did you conceptualize the the approach in the book? Because as I said in my review, I really think you meet the athletes where they are. You, you really perceptually put yourselves in their position and there may be their skepticism, the what's in it for me. I think you really do address that in the way it's written and structured. We are lucky to have a real mix in the authors. You have a couple of clinical psychologists, a sports scientist and a couple of sports psychologists. So drawing on our experience, our work, we were able to try to put together a package that we felt would really speak to that market and um, 
both in terms of athletes and having a range of different athletes feature in some of the case studies that feature in the book and also the practitioners having recognition that this could be a resource that's useful for sports psychologists, mental health practitioners, coaches to use to support the athletes. So just being flexible in how we envisaged this work on flexibility playing out with athletes. So yeah, it was very much a team effort. There was a lot of thought put into how the book was packaged and put together. We also wanted to really give a a nod to the evidence base behind acceptance-based approaches in the context of sports. So uh, I think the second chapter in particular is quite focused on some of that science that sits behind the approach as well. I think it's important to have a chapter like that available. There'll be Mm -hmm. some people who might be more skeptical and the evidence might be the the kind of tipping point for them that, okay, Mm -hmm. I can now fully engage with this. I think some people will just naturally go, bring it on. I don't need chapter two, but some people need that sort of reassurance and to really understand the sort of reputation or the pedigree of what we're doing. Yeah. And it's also a call for further research as well. So it's going to be important moving forward to evaluate the flexible mind approach more and um, to do other work really to ensure that we're developing it further and being responsive to some of the, the feedback that we get in relation to it as well. Now you talked about the mixed perspectives of the you and the co-authors. How did how did you assemble these authors? Were these within your existing network or was it? Yeah. Andy Bethel and I had worked together at the University of Liverpool. I was fortunate to supervise Andy's doctoral research, which was looking at psychological flexibility in the context of football. And uh, his project was great to be involved in. And uh, many of the ideas that came into the book were through conversations with Andy. I had also been involved in supervising Stephen Leckie's PhD research, which was looking at um, psychological flexibility in elite level rugby. And Victoria Pimprazi was a co-supervisor on that project and her expertise in sports science. The conversations that we had as a group really were, were fundamental as well to the book. And Lewis Charnock, sports psychologist working at Everton Football Club. So again, I was fortunate to have connection with Lewis during that time. And like-minded people with different perspectives coming together. We worked really well as a team and I'll have fond memories of some of those writing camps where mm. we were all together and um, Stephen and Vicky were kind enough to journey down from Scotland to be in Liverpool with us for those. So um, yeah, it, it was through some of those professional connections and involvement in projects that we were doing together. And, and how's it landed with the sports communities? Yeah, it's been great to do workshops where I share about the training of the approach and to see the response in terms of the questions that people have, the follow-ups afterwards. So there's interest, for example, from national football associations who are keen to use this with the international squads that they're working with. 
So I'm looking forward to developing those ideas a bit further. And most recently, I'm working to develop a group-based version of the Flexible Mind approach. And that would be four-session approach group work, but then combined with some individual sessions at the end of the group so that this can be really tailored to the athlete's individual values mm. so that we have um, more of a hybrid sort of mixed approach where there's group work followed up with one-to-one session so that we can plan for how things are going to move forward. So yeah, really interested and curious to see how it lands and very uh, interested to further those conversations on how it has landed and some interesting lines of inquiry in terms of work that's going to be done over the next wee while to take it forward. What would your ambition be for the the flexible mind approach? You've talked about developing the the group based um, Mm -hmm. intervention, but I see the flexible mind approach as a helpful and beneficial approach in its own right which I'm really excited to work with other organizations and practitioners around. And I also see it as a vehicle, a vehicle to really enhance awareness around the importance of balancing those opportunities to develop performance and sustain well-being. So a more sustainable approach to high performance living yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, in addition to the flexible mind approach itself, the book and the work that we're involved in also serves to really enhance understanding about ways of finding that balance. And I think that that's fundamental to the to the message of the book that these are not mutually exclusive. You can mm-hmm. have a really high performance and look after your own well-being and as you're talking about yourself before the the rest and the recovery and the connections with others that can still take place exactly sustainability is the key element here that we're really bringing through so that it's not this boom and bust Mm. approach where yes people go all out and excel but it's at the cost of their well-being and it's not something that they can maintain in the longer term so a sustainable approach to high-performance living. Eros, can you help me articulate the connection between the, the flexible mind and strive to thrive, please? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so strive to thrive is the clinical psychology consultancy organization that I'm the director of. And we're based in, the, in Northern Ireland, but working across the UK. It delivers training, delivers one-to-one work to support individuals, uh, delivers group-based mm. support well, and um, yeah, there's opportunities to deliver supervision for practitioners as well. And that's uh, an element of my work that I really enjoy too. So Strive to Thrive, yeah, clinical psychology consultancy business, and the flexible mind is one of the approaches that we use in the work that we do. Yeah, Strive to Thrive, the organization, flexible mind, the approach, one of the approaches that we use in the work, depending mm-hmm. on what the requirements of the clients are. Sure, thank you. That, that's super helpful. For, well, for me to position it in, in my mind, where, where, how they connect to each other. And what's, what's in the pipeline? You have any other things that you can share with us yet, Toys? 
Yeah, I'm working obviously on a monthly basis to produce the newsletter, um, The Five to Thrive, and very committed to growing the readership. It's been lovely to see the response and the subscriptions coming through. So hopefully we'll be able to include the the link for the sign up to the newsletter so that um, people can get that delivered into their email inbox. I'm also writing a book at the moment and the manuscript needs to be delivered uh, by November of this year. So very much got my eyes down and doing writing around that project. So I can't say too much about that at this stage, but uh, watch this space. And um, I think it's fair to say that it will be developing ideas related to the flexible mind approach. And um, I'm quite excited and looking forward to getting that out there too in due course. Mm, exciting. We'll have to get you back on when that lands. So just to, to say a little further about that, that whereas the acceptance and commitment approaches for athletes well-being and performance book that was published by palgrave is very much directed towards practitioners yeah and helping to guide them in the work that they do this book will be intended for a much broader readership um, so that people athletes members of the public can take that up themselves and and read it for for themselves and get the benefit of it that way so you, you continue in your mission to make this accessible for, for different audiences, whether it's those who are in a refugee status situation, whether it's athletes, whether it's those delivering interventions to athletes. So it's super to hear about this. And how do you find, because this is a real personal question for me, but how do you find introducing elements from compassion-focused therapy to to elite athletes because I, I try to weave it into my approach with mm -hmm. leaders and organizations and sometimes it's it's kind of a bit of trial and error to be honest but sometimes it lands pretty well sometimes it goes mm -hmm. people start to talk about the soft stuff or the the fluffy stuff and I'm like oh no <laughs> I'm off the mark here but ha have you had any insights on that yeah I think it's important to be sensitive to the concept the context and to get a sense of frames of reference that might exist that you can uh, help to convey this important work through yeah certainly it can land different ways for different people and really trying to adjust some of the terminology so that it, it makes sense it lands well it, it feels relevant for people and compassion uh, yeah, I can see that some people may fall into a misconception of assuming that in some way that's soft or, or too genteel, mm. uh, particularly in worlds where concepts like mental toughness and grit are, are prioritized. But sometimes the tough stuff is the compassionate stuff, right? You know, that being prepared to carry yourself gently, to take care of yourself is the important work that needs to be done so yeah being sensitive to the context using frames of reference that feel meaningful to people and yeah, just trying to ensure that that people can get on board with the importance of of compassion focused work so you know what is, what is compassion well it's being able to empathize 
So to recognize that there may be some difficult emotions in play, and it's an intention to engage in behaviors that can potentially resolve some of that emotional difficulty. So both the empathy and the intention to bring about some change. Mm. And yeah, there are different approaches that can be used for that. Some of them are more formal mindfulness practices that can again be tailored and tweaked for particular contexts. And yeah, I'm quite excited about about that work and the opportunities that it brings. I'm conscious of using the word flexibility. It can be misconstrued or misinterpreted by people to think that I just have to be kind of a, a passive actor in this and, and accommodate things. I wonder if you could just unpack that a bit more for the for the listeners, Ross. Yeah, it's great that you're picking up on that. It's really important that, to recognize that everybody likes to think that they're flexible. And uh, yeah, flexibility has different meanings. So important to emphasize that psychological flexibility is not about being accommodating and being able to be a little pragmatic and a little spontaneous and go with the flow and you know that can be an element of psychological flexibility but sometimes psychological flexibility is about sticking to your guns if that's what the context requires it's about saying no to requests that are made off you because you recognize it's not in the service of what truly matters to you and you're not being authentic you don't have that level of integrity if you comply with those requests so yeah it flexibility can sometimes be misunderstood and what we're actually talking about here is people's ability to have difficult thoughts and feelings and still do the stuff that matters to them and that's where the pod of psychological flexibility comes in p for being present in this space and in this time even though you may wish to transport yourself somewhere else being open which is about recognizing that our mind is a story generating machine that we can get hooked by and being willing to make space for the strong emotions that can show up with those stories and then do what matters explore what your values are which values you would freely choose to influence how you live your life and commit to actions that are consistent with those values blimey i don't think i've ever heard that put so beautifully ross and it's superb how that question around flexibility led to a takeaway i would say that's that's an amazing takeaway for our listeners and and ross i wonder if you've got any any additional takeaway of course i would strongly encourage all the p supers to subscribe to the newsletter and again the link will be in the show notes but but any other reflections for our listeners well i think uh, an important takeaway that i would like the listeners to to really take from our conversation today. I'm grateful to have had the opportunity on the platform to speak to your listeners. It is that we do place so much emphasis on achieving that it can come at the cost of our well-being. And in those efforts to stand out from the crowd, we can lose sight of who we really are and what matters to us. And it doesn't need to be that way. 
we can excel and feel well. Those don't need to be mutually exclusive. And that psychological flexibility is, I think, a key ingredient to that. It can really help us to develop from being one-trick ponies to horses that can thrive on many courses. And I hope that the listeners will be interested enough to learn more about psychological flexibility and the difference that it can make for them. Ross, thank you so much for coming on the show. I am honored and in awe to be part of the Ross slash Roscoe Collective. And I'd just like to thank you for your your generosity and what you've shared, your openness and your clarity of thinking, which has really shone through for me. And yeah, thank you so much. Pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. And I just wanted to just say, I'm a bit jealous too, because people often say, oh, Ross, you've got such a relaxing voice. You've got a great voice for podcasts, yada, yada, yada. And I think you've outdone me, man. I think you've knocked off my crown. I'm honoured that you think so, but uh, I reckon you'd still be a better singer than me. Oh, well, maybe maybe at a future conference we can have a bit of a sing-off. Oh, the deal has been struck. Karaoke, here we come. What have I said? Right, there it is. It's out there, folks. it p supers part two in the bag thanks so much to ross for the work he does the impact he has with his research his books and his other initiatives you'll find all the useful links in the show notes also remember last week ross talked about commit and act and their work in sierra leone if it's possible for you please consider supporting commit and act either through donating your time energy or expertise or through a financial contribution you'll find the links in the show notes And if you do make a financial contribution, please do let me know as I'll match each of your donations up to a maximum total value of 100 euros. We'd love to get your reviews, so please let us know what you think on the socials or drop me an email or a voice note on WhatsApp. If you like this episode of the podcast, please could you do three things. Number one, share it with one other person. Number two, subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review, whatever platform you're on, and particularly if you're on Apple Podcasts. The Apple charts are really important in the podcast industry. And number three, share the heck out of it on the socials. This will all help us reach more people with stuff that could be useful. I love to hear from you, and you can get in touch at peoplesoup.pod at gmail.com. On Twitter, we are at peoplesouppod. On Instagram, at people.soup. And on Facebook, we are at peoplesouppod. Thanks to Andy Glenn for his spoon magic and Alex Engelberg for his vocals. Most of all, dear listener, thanks to you. Look after yourselves, peace supers, and bye for now. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really chuffed that you asked me to be part of it. I've been a big admirer of the work that you've been doing. And yeah, kudos to you for continuing to uh, invest in this and to see it doing so well. It's brilliant.